welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm not. I'm Corbin Hiller. Oh, fooled you, didn't he? <laughs> Got him. Bring back uh, that meme. So today, Thursday, is typically our stats episode. But as we've done in the past, when we're in the uh, midst of the playoffs for the sports that we cover, we mostly spend our time talking about those because it's current and it doesn't hold up as long as as well as say waiting one more week to do something stats related because stats can just kind of conform or grow or what have you playoffs is now and once you miss it it's gone so we figured, by the time ahead. we release this next episode uh after this one it will all be it will be jesus christ words are not coming easy uh by the time we release the episode following this one two rounds of the playoffs will already have passed. So there's really no point in uh, waiting any longer. No. Uh, as of right now, one round has passed. It's the uh, wild card round, which I'm not sure, which we talked a little bit about, but not too much. The wild card round is, uh, as most rounds are a crapshoot, it is especially so. Um, and then we will talk about the upcoming games for this weekend, i.e. the divisional round of the playoffs, just to get a feel for uh, where every team is at, where we think they're at, whether uh, and how we think they're going to do. So, yeah. uh, you ready to get into it? I am ready. All right. So, the big takeaways from this weekend's games, this past weekend's games, the Texans beat the Bills. Let's start with that. Are you surprised? Um, no. I, I'm pretty sure I predicted that the Texans would win. It was definitely a weird game all around. Um, yeah, this is not the way I would predict them to have one, but in a win-loss basis, I'm not surprised. Like, honestly, watching the end of that game, uh, Josh Allen, like, you need to make better decisions. Like, I know it's something we joke around about, like, you know, oh, just, you know, don't do that thing and you'll be fine. But, like, Jesus, his decision-making process was on full display. and That fucking lateral? Ugly. Uh, can we even call it a lateral? Like, it was... Like intentional grounding? Yeah. Um, I get he's still young. He's in his second year. But that is not the way Bills fan or football fans want to see a team end their season. Um, but, again, he is still young. He has room to grow. Um, I believe in Sean McDermott as their head coach. Um, so, yeah. Ugly yeah. game. Ugly-ass game. Also infuriating because the Texans played phenomenal defense on first and second down and then shit themselves on third down. It was astonishing how many like third and longs the Bills had where the Texans like pushed them back or at least held them tight. And then the Texans just gave up like... 11 to 15 yards every third down it was infuriating yeah up until that last two drives by the bills uh the texans really couldn't do anything on third down but when it counted most they uh they were able to get it done uh the titans beat the patriots in new england uh 20 to 13 that score is a little bit deceitful we can get into that in a second but uh what do you make of this one Again, I, I'm not surprised by this one. I, I don't know if I said this prediction or I may have predicted the Patriots. I don't know. But the Titans were a, an awful matchup for the Patriots. They um, did a lot of things well throughout the season that the Patriots weren't so great at defending. Um, all in all, I'm so happy this happened. Like, don't get me wrong. 
even if I predicted the Patriots to win, I definitely wanted them to lose, like every non-New England fan in the world. Um, and honestly, even when uh, Ryan Tannehill did not have a great game, which is you know expected against the Patriots' defense, Derrick Henry brought the noise. 34 rushes, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I know I've been vocal about my doubts about him in the past, but this really has been his big breakout year. Um, and he's looked like a monster. Oh, monster is a very apt word for him. He's fucking huge and is scary <laughs> as hell. Um, it's tough to, it's tough to even say what my opinion on this was. I think I much like many football fans of varying observancy just kind of assume the Patriots are going to win. Like you just, you don't even really do a, a line by line matchup comparison unless they're playing like, you know, like uh, the, the Colts with, with Manning um, or the Broncos with Manning. And then you get, Oh, Manning versus Brady. And you, you get that whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just an assumption that they're going to win. And so I, you never take the time to be like, Hey, how are the Titans? <laughs> so, um, I don't, rem I don't remember thinking the Titans had a shot. I think I'd probably would have done exactly what I do every year and just write off whatever team is playing the Patriots in the first round. Or two. <laughs> and they won, and they won, and it was really great. And it was everything that we said might happen, as Brady looking slightly worse, and we said that him having to play in the divisional round might really fuck him over because that extra game really sucks, especially when you don't have the buy and. I mean, it looked pretty goddamn accurate to me. Yeah. I I mean, do you think this is the end for Brady? I know this is where, you know, we were eventually going to get with it. Because he really hasn't looked good for most of last season. And really, all of this season, he hasn't looked very good. It, it's tough. If, it, if the decision was 100% Bill Belichick's, I would say he's probably not back. But Robert Kraft is, loves him and is rather sentimental. And he could force Belichick's hand as it was, you know, rumored that Belichick was trying to not re-sign Brady a few years ago. And Kraft stepped in and said, what the fuck are you doing? I want my guy. So it's tough to really say. It's one of those things that's going to be talked about ad nauseum all offseason until something definitively does happen. Um, as of right now, I'll say sure he's going to be back and it's going to be his best season ever. And they're going to go 16 to no, and they're going to win the Super Bowl because any of those things could be true. And everyone would just go like, ah, yeah, I guess it's, <laughs> you know, okay. Sure. Like we were just talking about how Brady had a mediocre season. That team still went 12 and four, which is uh bullshit. And I hate it. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, even if he does come back, I'm still going to predict him to win the, the division. I'm still going to predict them to probably not get a first-round bye again, um, but you know, be one of the top three teams in the AFC, be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, because I know we talked about this in the past couple podcasts. You just have to expect it until they prove you otherwise, because... I mean, what? They've been together for 22 years now? Who? Uh, Belichick and Brady, 21? Uh, 19. Like that. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I don't know why I would think that they've been together for as long as I've been alive, but whatever. I'm bad at math. 
I, they've never proven us wrong, so yeah, stick it, with it. The Browns will be good when they prove you prove to you that they can be good. The Patriots will be bad when they prove to you they can be bad. Uh, I really would love to see. Like, I don't want Brady to get hurt, but if for some reason he had to sit out for you know games next season, I'd love to see what Jarrett Stidham could do with you know a full off season getting first team reps and um, you know Bill Belichick teaching him the ways of the force, however you want to call it. Um, but yeah. Clearly Brady's using the uh the 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 force life sucking exchange program, but he's using it for evil where he takes the life force of all the younger quarterbacks on the team. Wow, so fuck anyone who didn't see the new Star Wars and still wanted to. I, I yeah, fuck him. Fuck him. It's not worth your time or or your dollars. Fuck you. Fuck you in the face. Also, um, I realized that that totally wasn't a spoiler until I just told you it was a spoiler. It wasn't, and I wasn't going to say anything. I was just leaning into the heel aspect of it, but uh, yeah. Uh, shit. <laughs> the We're Vikings, all here. The Vikings beat the Saints 26-20. to 20. Um, Overtime game, as was the Bills-Texans game. I didn't mention that, but if you're listening to this, you probably know that. Uh, what did you think about this one? Ew. Like, just ew. Like, I I wanted the Saints to dominate because they had every right to do it. Yes, they had more ref bullshit in this game, and it sucks to be a Saints fan, but they just didn't play a pretty game altogether. Um, I think they could have won this game pretty easily if they really just played up to the standards they set during the season. Um, yeah, could have. I would say, in fact, that they should have won this game based on right. how they were playing, especially there in the fourth quarter up until that interception or fumble. Right. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really have much else to say because I don't know. Like, I don't want to say Kirk Cousins is a superstar now. Like, yeah, he doesn't suck as everyone's as much as everyone says he does. But I've seen a lot of people come out and been like, yeah, Kirk Cousins, a fucking top five quarterback in the league. Everyone's just a hater. This proved it. He finally won like a big time game. I am staying very far away from that topic. I do not agree with those takes, but um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens in the next rounds, which we will talk about in a minute. Yeah, uh, this is it was just such ah uh, uh, such a game. It was it was a football game. And you know what's sad hmm. is that it wasn't a really great game to watch, and it was still better than than Eagle Seahawks. Yeah. Um, God, the Sunday games this year blew hot ass. Um, it, yeah. Uh, uh, real quick before I keep going, do do, mm-hmm. do you think it was a push off at the end of the game? Uh, I don't think so. Are you talking about the Kyle Rudolph one? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was. I, I don't know. You know, um, actually, I kind of want to bring it up again just so I could not make something up. His arm definitely straightens there, and it seems he's creating distance between the 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 cornerback and him. I don't know if that's enough to call it offensive pass interference, and I guess it clearly wasn't enough to overturn the call in the field if there not being any. Uh, I don't know, man. It was, it was a game. The Saints, I get if you want to take it out in the refs, there's almost always in every single game room to do that so you absolutely can and honestly honest to god if i was them i would do that too i would 100 percent be right there with you saying fuck the refs 
yeah. But I mean, you should have you should have won. You should have won by playing better football than you played, and and uh, and you didn't. And that, that, that no one to blame but yourself. Like watching it again, he pushes like he does. Like he does. He extends his arm against the body of the defender. I really don't know if it's enough to constitute offensive pass interference. Like I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know the exact verbiage of the rule. I don't know if there can't be any push off. I don't know if there can be give and take. If there's no push off whatsoever, I think that's an absolute batshit crazy rule that I don't agree with. But I, I don't know how you could look at that specific play and say, oh yeah, that is completely unfair that he did that. He did not deserve to make that catch. I think it should be uh I think it should be a touchdown. Yeah. Uh I I I have no opinion on it, I guess is all I'm just trying to say. If you uh, disagree with me, I absolutely won't hold it against you and that's I the thing. see I don't why think you're making I, that point. I don't it's, think I disagree. I just don't think I care. Yeah, I, you know to be honest, I also don't really care that much. Like like that that's <sighs> It's literally the reason you lost the game because it happened in overtime, Mm -hmm. but it's also not the reason you lost this game. Right. Like he beat you. He beat the cornerback. He would have scored that touchdown even if he didn't push off. It's just if you're throwing up your arms like, oh, that's the most bullshit play. Like the refs fucking robbed us. All this bullshit. It's just such minute details. And I don't know, man. That's it's the worst. I do, though, agree with the gripe still, as I do every year, about the NFL overtime policy. It's awful. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I was trying to explain it to Cal, and she it just wasn't making any sense to her. Because it's like, all right, so if you go down and you score a field goal, you win. And I said, no, if you score a field goal, the other team gets a chance to also score a field goal to keep going or score a touchdown to win. And she goes, all right, so if the Vikings come down here and they score a touchdown, do the Saints also get a chance to score a touchdown? I said, no, only if they get a field goal. And the fact that it's this complicated is bananas. Right, and then it came down, like, because it's the playoffs, it came down to, like, oh, now it's next score wins. And uh, it's just such... It's like, so overcomplicated. It's not fair to either team. More often than not, it comes down to a fucking coin flip, which drives me insane. It's one of my yeah. biggest pet peeves about football. A hundred percent. It's who wins the coin toss is basically a de- the main determinant for who wins the game. I heard some arguments um, because I always say we should follow the college football rules, which is both teams start at like the 25 or 30 yard line. And you just drive in to score, and you basically just each team gets a possession. Whoever has the highest score at the end of that like overtime period wins. If it's tied, you keep going until someone wins. And you know, I get okay, that's not real football. That's not the way the first four quarters are. Why should overtime come down to just that? Well, you know, this isn't real football either. If someone scores, every team gets a chance to return a kickoff and score again. It's not just over once the first team scores. This also isn't real football. And college football is fair because everyone gets the same opportunities. 
and it's just so much more fucking fun and that's what it should be about you know like yeah. you're in the red zone essentially you're you're close to scoring you have to be efficient it's so much fun and i would even be willing to you can make conceits as a league too mm-hmm. like the nhl has made conceits in regards to their overtime policy yeah where they have an overtime policy for the regular season and then they have their overtime policy for the postseason and those yep. two things are different because they want to preserve the integrity of the game and make sure that there is as fair a chance for each side to win as humanly possible. So during, for anyone unaware, during the regular season, which we are currently in for hockey, if the game is tied at the end of regulation, overtime policy is a three-on-three, three, that's three skaters against three skaters, for five minutes, sudden death. If no one scores in the overtime period, it goes directly to shootout, which is best two out of three, slash whichever team ends up with uh, the most um, over most um, what's we're looking for here shootout goals in an even set of of, of attempts mm-hmm. in the postseason they change it to where it's just another period it's just going to be another 20 minute period it's still sudden death but it's five on five all the usual shit doesn't matter if it lasts five seconds doesn't matter if it takes four entire periods which has happened, it goes because that's what's more fair. If you are in the postseason and your your entire season comes down to a shootout, you would be rightfully so fucking livid. Like yeah. it, it's it's not real hockey. It's just not. Don't get me wrong. I like the shootout. I think it's fun as a fan. It's a as a viewer. And I think it's expedient because the whole point is to like, look, hey, we're playing 82 games. We we can't be here sitting around playing 80 to 100 minutes of hockey every three or four games because it's like more integral to the history of the game. There's 82 fucking games that might have flown when there was 50 or 60. There's 80 of them. It's too much. So it makes sense. With football, you can keep this shitty, stupid, stupid overtime rule for the regular season if you really want to keep it and then say, hey, for the postseason, we want to make sure we're keeping up with how you've literally played this game all year. Because most teams, uh, not most teams, but like most of your games don't go to overtime. Do, every team goes to overtime at some point. Yes, it uh, uh, does. But you don't game plan for it like you do the previous 60 minutes of football you just fucking played. So why not have a different set of overtime rules that just apply to the postseason that give the fans of the teams playing and the fans of just the league in general, a better idea of what's going on. That seems more familiar to the game of football. They've been watching all season. And again, the previous 60 minutes and that just, you can get a better feel for like which team is actually better as a whole, not which team is better in the, in the smallest sample size you can literally create. I it's nonsense. Completely agree. Ugh. I've, I mean, in hockey, I fucking love three versus three overtime more it's than so much anything fun. else in the sport. I think the shootout is just unparalleled in excitement and just stress being on edge. Um, but, you know, I get why they change it back to just an overtime period when it gets to the playoffs, you know. I get that it's always a competition, and I get that it's always meant to be, you know, entertaining for fans, but 
if we're being honest, the regular season is kind of more towards entertainment and the playoffs are more towards fair competition because the playoffs are going to be exciting no matter what. The regular season, you know, 82 games, it can it can be a slog. And you want to keep fans entertained and watching through the whole game and all that. And I get that. Um, I'd love to see a game seven of a Stanley Cup final come down to a fucking shootout because I would shit myself. I would be so stressed out, even if it wasn't my team, because that's like, it. it's nuts. But I get why they would never want it to come down to that, because one team is going to be super excited yet stressed and the other team is going to be so furious and also stressed that it would kill fans um but yeah i i think the nfl should have it where it is you know two sets of overtime rules for the playoffs and for the regular season if they think that's fair i just i really need them to get rid of whoever scores first wins because that's it's such bullshit it really, it really is. It's, it's tragic, absolutely tragic. But we have one last game in the divisional round to this, or the wild card round to discuss. That happened: the Seahawks against the Eagles. This is the game I think, damn near everyone and their mother predicted correctly, uh, because the Eagles are trash uh, <laughs> as as a fan base and a team, and they lost deservedly so. The Seahawks, as we've discussed previously this year, for whatever reason, love playing one-score games. Love it. They they refuse <laughs> to win a game by more than one score. It's ridiculous to watch. And I, oh, I, if if they go this entire postseason winning or losing every game by one score, I don't, I don't, I just don't know how I can handle it because it's just. How? It's just how. How can you not yeah. be true talent-wise better than 20, no, not even, 17? Yes, 17 points on the Eagles. Um. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They won. What did you think? I don't know. I didn't watch this game. I was at work. Uh hate to break it to you guys, but I did not watch this game. Uh, I had it on in my on my phone, like on video on my phone while driving home. Really? Yeah. Uh I watched, I was at work for most of the Viking Saints game too, but I was able to, it wasn't busy enough, you know, to keep me away from it, but we got super busy. I got, you know, dragged away from the Eagles Seahawks game. So I was only able to see the highlights. Um, I guess the big takeaway has to be the Jadevian Clowney hit on Carson Wentz. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, the score itself and the actual game wasn't too surprising. Um, but the Jadevian Clowney hit on Carson Wentz is going to be what, you know, is going to be the lasting impression of this game after this season's over. Um, I saw it. It definitely looks like different levels of intent and, you know, danger from different angles. Um, I honestly don't think it was intentionally super dirty. But at the same time, it wasn't a clean tackle. He was going down. He did kind of lean his head into it. I don't think he was trying to hurt Carson Wentz, but I do think it was a play that should have been flagged. Do you remember um, the Kiko Alonso hit on Joe Flacco from a few years ago when Joe Flacco was running? He was still with the Ravens, 
he was running to get a first down. He slid to give himself up. Like he did not slid out as a runner. And Kiko Alonso just came screaming in. He had already jumped and was off his feet by the time Flacco started sliding and they just collided head to head. And I think Flacco had to leave the game. Kiko Alonso got thrown out of the game. Remember that? I remember that happening and I remember having an opinion. I can't remember the play vividly enough to know if I still have that opinion. So I'm going to look it up real quick. Because this is really what this hit reminds me of. Um, Jadavian Clowney, it's so tough within the intent, Mark, because mm. the intent is to hit Russ, um, Carson Wentz. He plays for the other team. Like, yeah, he's going to try to hit him. Um, yeah. And the tough yeah. part is when you have moving targets like this. So did Jadavian Clowney intend to, like, headhunt Carson Wentz? Absolutely not. I refuse to believe that, especially from a player that has no history in that regard. If this was Vontaze Perfect, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's Jadavian Clowney. Like, no, he, he wasn't. Does It doesn't make it a clean hit. You know, like, we, you see this a lot in hockey. Uh, just happened the other, the other night um, with the, the Rangers against the Avalanche. Like, you go in for a clean hit. People are people, and they move at odd times. You're not expecting it. Your shoulder was supposed to hit their shoulder. Your shoulder hit their head. Doesn't make you a bad guy. Doesn't mean you meant to do that. It's still an illegal hit. You're still going to get two minutes. Like, that 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 was this to me. It should have been a flag. It doesn't mean Jadavian's a bad guy. Still should have been a flag. Yeah, just watching the Kiko Alonso and Joe Flacco hit again, it does remind me a lot of that. Again, I agree with you completely. I don't think this was that dirty of a hit. You know, I don't have, you know, super high feelings towards Kiko Alonso. Um, oh, because he does have, yeah, he has had more than one of these in the past. But again, I don't think this or the play with Kiko Lazo should have gone, you know, unpenalized. Yeah, the main difference is the the Kiko Lazo hit did get penalized, and this one did not. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kiko Lazo was ejected for that one. Yes, he was immediately. It wasn't even helmet to hel- uh, helmet hit. So. Yeah, I uh, I don't I don't care about this game at all. Um, in the yeah, slightest, don't this was kind care. of uh, a a push for me because not even a it wasn't a push. It was a I don't give a shit because I knew for a fact the Eagles didn't have a chance in this game even before Carson Wentz went out. Oh God, no. Um, so I I had texted you some a fu- a couple of fun stats that I had uncovered while I was looking through the uh. I guess, box score of these games. Yes, you did. So, of all the quarterbacks who played in the in the wild card round this year, uh, of all the quarterbacks with more than five passes, the owner of the worst passer rating was Tom Brady. Tom Brady, 59.4, is the lowest of all quarterbacks with more than four pass attempts. He had 20 completions on 37 attempts, 209 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, um, and that one interception was a pick six. Yeah, I mean, there was some not great quarterback play, but Tom Brady definitely looked, uh, at least from what I had seen, uh, the worst. He 
can definitely tell that he is aging. Um, his arm is not what it used to be by any means. Brain's still there, but the body isn't. Um, so I'm not terribly surprised by this. I'm surprised that it's gotten to the point where Tom Brady is the worst quarterback in the playoffs. But at the same time, all the reasoning and, you know, you can make these assumptions by watching him. Oh, 100%. Re- real quick. Uh, Tom Brady, as I said, 100, 209 yards. How many do you think were after the catch? Uh, Basically, work done by the coaches and the wide receiver. Give me, give me a real number. Um, how many did he have total again? 209. Uh, 165. 134. Damn. That means that Tom Brady had 75 air yards. That's not good. No. How how many attempts? Uh, thirty-seven. Oh God! So that's two air yards per attempt. That's not good. In case you needed yeah. me to tell you that, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for reference, uh, Ryan Tannehill, which a wildly different stat line. First off, he had uh, eight completions <laughs> on fifteen attempts <laughs> for seventy-two yards. Um, his passer rating, just since I brought up Brady's already, I have to scroll to go get it. Uh, 61, so not much better. In no. fact, 1.6 points better, which is not a lot. Um, so, like I said, 72 yards. How many of those do you think were after the catch? Um, 60? No, not, not that bad. 45. 45. Okay. So only, he only had... 27 air yards um which is somehow worse than brady yeah but at the same time he had like half as many or not even like a third as many attempts however many less than that quarter again i'm so fucking bad at math dude did you see uh how many how many bad throws do you think tom brady had out of his 37 uh 10 7 Okay. Seven okay. bad throws and three drop passes. That right there is ten of his thirty-seven throws. That's not good. That's no, really not good. Um, I don't know what the average rate of that is going to be. I yeah, know I'm actually. Fact, it's not like you know twenty-five percent though. Uh oh, how many how many bad throws do you think Deshaun Watson had? Uh, seven. Two. Yeah, that that actually sounds. Uh, How many bad throws do you think Josh Allen had? <laughs> oh man, um, five, nine. Err, that's ugly. How many attempts did Josh Allen have? Uh, he had forty-six attempts. <laughs> he went that twenty-four for forty-six. That is far too many attempts for Josh Allen. Oh. Josh Allen had 264 yards. How many of them were after the catch? Ooh, um, 200. No, no that's actually... like, that's 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 he he throws deep balls on like every pass. Uh, I'm gonna say like 103, like directly in between the two numbers you picked. 159. <laughs> It'll be an interesting one. If you gave me a third try, I would have nailed it. Deshaun Watson. 247 yards. How many of those were after the catch? Um, 153? 97. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Deshaun Watson threw like 150 air yards and 
Uh, Josh Allen threw basically a hundred. That's interesting. Um, Kirk Cousins, how many bad throws? Uh, how many attempts? Thirty-one. Um, I'll say six. Five. Uh, cool. Drew Brees, thirty-three attempts. How many bad throws? I'll go with six. Three. Damn, good on you, Drew. Kirk Cousins had two hundred forty-two yards for ninety-one yards after completion. Uh, Drew Brees had thirty-three attempts, so two more. Did you go over or under Kirk Cousins for yards after completion? Uh, I'll go over. Under. Fuck. Granted, though, Drew Brees also had um only two hundred eight yards, so a full thirty-four fewer yards, and his yards after catch was eighty-seven. Uh, good difference. Oh shit! Um, how many? How uh, this is the last one, both literally and because I want to stop. Um, <laughs> Russell Wilson, how many bath throws? Thirty uh, attempts. Um, you were surprised, so I'm gonna guess seven. Nine. Wow, Russell. That's yeah. gonna hurt your uh, MVP chance. Uh, three hundred and twenty-five yards. How many after completion? Um, a hundred. 133. So he he threw damn near 200 yards by uh, just in the air. Good on him. But nine nine bad throws is a lot. Oh, 18 blitzes. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's uh just scanning through the oh second most. Josh Allen had 19. Mm. Anyway, um, so yeah, Tom Brady worst worst quarterback rating of of all players with more than five pass attempts. There's a tie for worst with four or fewer, and that tie is between Peter. I'm gonna fuck up this last name. Um, Bojo Bo Bajorgez Bajorgez. I don't know if he's Hispanic or not. Corey Bajorgez <laughs> with 39.6. He had one pass attempt for Buffalo. It did not get completed. I do not know who he is. I do not remember that pass attempt. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is tied for worst quarterback rating in, in a game in, uh, in Wildcard Weekend with Carson Wentz, <laughs> who had four pass attempts, one completion, three yards, a sack. His, um, his longest pass was, was three yards because uh, he only completed the one. And a fumble, and his quarterback rating was also 39.6. So Carson Wentz may as well have just not completed any passes. Yeah. Uh, I tried Googling that guy's name just off of how you pronounced it, and Google actually popped up with, it looks like there aren't any matches for your search. Oh, solid. Nice. I'm <laughs> glad I could really... Uh, how about the, 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 the pod here? For reference, it is spelled B-O-J-O-R-Q-U-E-Z. Which, if you're playing Scrabble, is worth approximately 900 points. Okay. I heard you say those letters, but they did not click in my head as being able to form something that formed a word. So I just pulled up Corey Bohorges's, um picture, and it got no clearer what ethnicity he is. No, he's, he's got to be Hispanic. Yeah. He's from New Mexico. Uh, no, his college is New Mexico. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> he has to be Hispanic. He's from New Mexico. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. 
Um, also, real quick, you said Kirk Cousins. Um, people might be talking about him as being a top five quarterback in the league. And I pulled up um, quarterback ratings for this season thus far, uh, in part because I and I and I managed to forget that Ryan Tannehill leads this pack with a 117.5 quarterback rating on the year. And that's still just hilarious. Uh, where do you think Kirk Cousins falls on this list? Fifth. Fourth. Ooh. Fourth. With a 107.4. He is only behind Ryan Tannehill, Drew Brees, and Lamar Jackson. He is one spot ahead of Russell Wilson. Uh, hard yikes for me. For anyone ranked below Kirk Cousins. The people I'm going to name right below Kirk Cousins, uh, Russell Wilson, in order, by the way, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz. Yeesh. Where's Mason Rudolph and uh, Duck Hodges? I actually only have those names, which is why I stopped reading. Oh, fair enough. It's a weird-ass leaderboard I have in front of me. Safe to assume they're not on that list. Yeah. Expert reporting here from Juicing the Numbers. Woo! We got your back. <laughs> we got your front. Uh let's do this. Let's do something fun with for, for the uh eliminated teams. Where do you think they'll be next year? Where do you see Buffalo next year? Uh I don't know. Moving uh, like, on. Are you ask are you asking like uh like what their record's gonna be? Like are they gonna be back in the playoffs, missing the playoffs? However you want to interpret, some, I need interpret some, that. Oh man, I need some stuff. All right, all right, all right, I'll make a structure for you. Uh <laughs> their their record slash their playoff push probability and like how deep that is. Um I see them with nine wins next year. Um with I think they probably won't make the playoffs next year. And if they do, it will again be... Actually, you know what? Nah, fuck that. They're going to win 11 games, and they're going to win the division. Yeah. I put them at 8-8, eight and eight and they missed the playoffs. All right. Well, we will come back to this, because one of us will be right, one of us will be wrong. Or, the more likely scenario, we're both wrong. Yeah, that uh, is actually significantly much more likely. We did talk about this a little bit, but the New England Patriots, where do you think they are last uh, next season? Uh, I think they'll have a solid nine wins and we'll be playing in wild card weekend again. 12 and four until they do something different for me. <laughs> um, the Saints, where do you think they are next season? Uh, 12 and four with uh, without a first round bye. I'll say 10 and six. I don't know why. Ooh, okay. No good reason. Okay. okay. Uh, but they'll make the playoffs. The Eagles. Uh, seven and nine missed the playoffs. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I can, I can I can buy into that one. I don't mind it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? I just was thinking, like I said that you know instinctively, and then I was thinking about what other teams are in their division. So seven and nine making the playoffs. <laughs> They might as well, honestly. So much. All right, let's get into the divisional round. The things we're looking forward to this weekend. Um, we have starting off the Minnesota Vikings against the San Francisco 49ers Saturday at 435. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, I mean, the 49ers have uh, a seven-point advantage. They're negative seven. Um, 
honestly, I I probably would take the 49ers there against the spread. I just I think the Vikings spent all their luck against the Saints, you know. It's yeah. not real analysis, but you know, that's that's the what what I'm feeling. So just just some just some team ranks. Um the San Francisco home record because this game will be in San Francisco is 6 and 2. The Minnesota Vikings away record is 4 and 4. Uh the yeah. San Francisco points scored per game, they are second. The Minnesota Vikings are eighth points allowed per game. The San Francisco team, I guess I forgot the name for a second. The 49ers are eighth. The Minnesota Vikings are fifth. They're turning away takeover differential. San Francisco 10th, uh, Minnesota fifth passing yards per game. San Francisco 13th, Minnesota's 23rd, which just is bizarre coinciding with the Kirk Cousins passer rating stat we read earlier. That just confuses yeah. me so much more. That's why he has a good uh, passer rating. Yeah, he just he checked that. He doesn't lay it out on the field. Rushing yards per game. Uh, San Francisco is second. Minnesota is sixth. Defensive passing yards per game or uh, defensive allowed. Uh, San Francisco is first, which means they've allowed the fewest. Uh, Minnesota is fifteenth, and defensive rushing yards per game or yards given up to the rush. Uh, San Francisco is seventeenth, and Minnesota is thirteenth. Does that sway your opinion at all? Uh, no, I'm still going to give it to the 49ers by more than seven. Yeah, same. I, I see this as being maybe you get maybe, maybe you get an exciting half out of it in the first half, but I, th- I think come the fourth quarter, this would be, uh, oh, that wrapped up nicely. You know? I, I Yeah. Do you have a final score prediction you want to just toss out there? Oh, uh, shit. Um, I'll go, uh, 28 to 20, 32 to 20. Ooh, big points for the 49ers. I like that. Yeah. Why not? Uh, anything else to say about this or shall we move ahead to Tennessee versus Baltimore? Let's move on. Okay. Titans at Baltimore. Oh, once again, go through the team ranks for these. Baltimore's home. Their home record this year is seven and one. The Tampa, uh, the Tennessee record, away record. Jesus Christ, is five five and three. Uh, Baltimore in points scored per game is first. Tennessee is tenth. Points allowed per game. They are third. Tennessee is twelfth. Takeaway take differential. Uh, Baltimore is sixth. Tennessee is ninth. Passing yards per game. Baltimore is twenty seventh. And uh, Tennessee is 21st. Rushing yards per game, Baltimore is first. Tennessee is third. Defensive rushing yards per game, Baltimore is sixth. Tennessee is 24th. Mm. And defensive rushing yards per game. Um, did I say rushing yards last one or did I say pass? I think you said both. All right. Well, this one's rushing yards for sure. Uh, Baltimore, fifth. Tennessee, 12th. So what make you of, the, of this matchup? Uh, I think the Ravens win big. Um, I just think their offense is going to be overmatched, or their offense is going to overmatch the Titans' defense. Uh, they're favored by nine and a half points. I again think that's a little too conservative. Uh, if you want a score prediction again, I'm going to say 34 20. Yeah, this is, this is a, uh, an interesting one. 
because Baltimore's strength is clearly their run and um, their pass is not bad. It's actually quite good, mm -hmm. but they they're playing to Lamar Jackson's strengths here, which means his passes won't be like super deep. They won't at least by and large, they'll be shorter, more accurate passes because he's proven to be a very accurate passer this year. With, at least with the distances they have him throwing, which is one of the reasons why I guess their fucking passing yards per game is 27th. Um, at the same time, Tennessee is, it's like, it's like they're like, they're like diet Baltimore. <laughs> their runs really good, but it's not as good as Baltimore's and their passing is also bizarrely good, but not good as, as good as Baltimore's. Um, you'll probably, you might get more down, downfield shots from Tannehill this game than you did. You might get more than 15 pass attempts for Tannehill. <laughs> I should just say, because that's all he did last game. Uh, but at the same time, like their strength, relatively speaking, is their rushing defense, which is only 12th as compared to the passing defense at 24th. But Baltimore's rush is too good to, for them to really contain that. And because their passing defense is so comically bad, apparently, uh, Baltimore is probably going to be okay against that too. So yeah. I'm going to go big. And I'm going to say 46 to 18. Damn. I honestly, <laughs> I hate the Ravens. That would be a fantastic game if that's true. And I can't wait. And, um, yeah. That would be so much fun. Be relentless. So again, that is the Saturday uh, night game. It's going to be Saturday at 8.15. Moving on to our Sunday slate. The first game on Sunday will be the Houston Texans against the Kansas City Chiefs at 3.05 p.m. Eastern. And let's run through what these teams are looking like. Team ranks. Uh, Kansas City, who is home. They are 5-3 at home. The Houston Texans are 5-3 on the road. So we're even there. Uh, points scored per game. Kansas City is 5th. Houston is 14th. Points allowed per game. Kansas City is 7th. Houston is 19th. Takeaway differential, Kansas City is 7th. Houston is 15th. Passing yards per game, Kansas City 5th. Houston 15th. Rushing yards per game, Kansas City is 23rd. And Houston is 9th. I would not have expected that. Uh, defensive passing yards per game, Kansas City is 8th. Ooh, Houston is 29th. And defensive rushing yards per game, Kansas City is 26th. And Houston is 25th. Oof. What do you think about this matchup? So, Fox has the Chiefs as nine and a half point favorites. That feels pretty liberal. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to take that. I think I'm going to have to take the Texans against the spread, but the Chiefs straight up. Um, I think this is going to be a very fun game. I think Deshaun Watson and... Um, uh, why am I forgetting DeAndre uh, Hopkins' name? Uh, I apologize. I think they're going to have themselves a great matchup. I think they're going to have a. They're both going to go off, but I do think Pat Mahomes and company are just going to be uh, a better. Yeah, I, I'm with you there pretty much. This is if you could only watch one of these four games, this is the game I would watch. Oh man. I know you That's... might say San Francisco because yeah. because San Francisco is a fun team, but I just think this is going to be the more fun game. These offenses are both 
when they're clicking, um, just so much fun. The style mm -hmm. that they play as well as their actual production is really, really a treat to watch. And their defenses are both frustrating to bad, which is only going to make the offense just more fun to watch. Uh, this game is liable to be immensely high scoring, which means it'll probably end six to three. <laughs> um, do you, did, did you give me a final score prediction? Uh, I did not. I'll be weird and say 24 to 21, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I really want this to be like, I want this to be the game of the weekend, you know, same as it should be. And I just know somehow, some way it's going to disappoint because expectations are just so high. I'm I'm gonna take the the Chiefs uh, thirty one to twenty eight. This is, I'm gonna say it's a it's a nice tight one. Um, a lot of points scored between the two teams so far. You and I have agreed on every team that's gonna win, which I find to be interesting. But at the same time, it feels inevitable based on who these teams are. Um, yeah, I'm sure yeah. we'll get that wrong at some point, but oh, we'll we'll almost have to. Uh, we have one last matchup here: the Packers against the Seahawks will be in Lambeau Field where the Packers reign seven and one and the Seahawks away record this year is seven and one. So a fucking push points per game. Green Bay is 15th. Seattle is ninth points allowed per game. Green Bay is ninth. Seattle is 22nd takeaway differential. Green Bay is third. Seattle is uh, also third. They're tied. Wow. Uh, passing yards per game, Green Bay is 17th, Seattle is 14th. Rushing yards per game, Green Bay is 15th, Seattle is 4th. Defensive passing yards per game, Green Bay is 14th, Seattle is 27th. Defensive rushing yards per game, Green Bay is 23rd, Seattle is 22nd. What make you of this matchup? You know, the Packers are favored by four, but I'm going to go with the Seahawks against the spread and straight up. Uh, I think the Seahawks are just going to match up well against the Packers. Honestly, I I just like the Seahawks matched up against this Packers team. I think Aaron Rodgers is really going to have to have himself a really good game. I'm scared to be so heavy against the under, on the underdog here because I feel like it's only fair that I'm going to be made to look like a dummy. But I'll own up to that. So, go Seahawks. Uh, this will be the first one we disagree. I'm going to take the Packers. I think that this is the most complete that I've ever seen the Packers play. Not that they're especially, especially good at any of the things they've done this year. But they've, they haven't been obtusely bad at any of them. Although the rushing yards per game, apparently they rank pretty low. Uh. And it's been doing them a lot of good. I, I'm not sure if that's about coaching or I don't think Aaron Rodgers has stepped back in any meaningful way. I think he's been asked to do less this year, which has been a great thing mm -hmm. and might actually end up having him be in a better position to play in the postseason because for once it's like, hey, Rodgers wasn't hurt all year um, at all. He was healthy the whole season. How weird is that? Because it feels like it hasn't happened in like five years. Um. <laughs> Totally so, 
Yeah, I, I think, and I think that could end up being like the difference here because Rogers was tame this year compared to what he usually is. And he usually is less tame because he has to be, you know, he has to be out there dragging the Packers kicking and screaming to a win, uh, much like Russell Wilson is doing this year, although in a much different fashion mm-hmm. because Rogers doesn't run well. And I think that if he needs to, he'll pull out that old Aaron Rodgers bullshit where he's fucking willing points on the board and elevating his team if he needs to. Um, I don't doubt the Seahawks by any means, and I totally respect your picking of them because, God, it's hard to pick against them. Um, And if it was a team other than, uh, you know, this one, I might not have. The only other team I could see myself picking against the the, the Seahawks in reality is the Niners. Uh, they're just as good as every other, and I guess the Ravens if they get to the Super Bowl. But it doesn't matter. Um, I, but I do think Green Bay has been relatively underrated this year relative to how well they've done. Uh, it's tough to say a thirteen and three team was underrated, <laughs> but at the same time. It feels like they were, and Trust that's me, enough. I know what you mean. Um, they've been probably the quietest thirteen and three team I've seen in a while. Um, I will say, I feel confident in my pick. If it ends up, you know, the Packers use the same game plan that they use for the majority of this season. If they come out and Matt Lafleur says to Aaron Rodgers, "Fucking go to town, be Brett Favre, be the old you." just sling it i'd be scared as a seahawks fan um but i agree with you that it is set up very nicely that he is saved a lot uh for the playoffs if that's what their goal was because he definitely doesn't have a ton of wear on those tires this year and if they were saving him for the playoffs this is a good matchup to uh to release him what is your final score prediction here Um. Go big or go home, uh, 31-28. Oh, Dan, this is the one time you're going to have an outscoring prediction for me uh, uh, against me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go lower. I'm going to go 24-21. Still a field goal difference, but right. one fewer score each side. It's funny how we were virtually the same until we were complete opposites. And the cycle is complete. <laughs> Oh man, I'm uh what, what is there a game you're most excited for outside of uh, or is it is it is it the the Texans um Chiefs game? Honestly, I think it's going to end up being the 49ers Vikings just because I I love the 49ers team so much and great team this year. I mean, I think the Vikings are going to have, you know, they're going to put up a fight. I think they could put up an interesting game. Ravens Titans is going to be fun just to watch running football the entire time. Texans Chiefs because it's Deshaun Watson versus Pat Mahomes. And then Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a fucking bloodbath. But um, I don't know. I I guess it's going to be Packers. Se- I'm going to change my answer to Packers Seahawks because the idea of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson just throwing deep ass bombs all game to each other is just too exciting to pass up. Yeah. Damn it! They're all these are all gonna be fun. Ravens Titans is definitely going to be the least competitive. 
but these will all be fun games. Oh yeah. I am very excited to have the opportunity to watch all of them uh, this weekend. Thank you, most honorable NFL, for allowing us to pay for your sport. Uh, anything left to say in, in, in this matter? Um, no. All right. Well, we have our scores uh, out there. Our predictions are out there for the public at large. I guess we'll find out how fucking close we got it. Um, Hint, probably not at all. Come, uh, <laughs> I come guarantee Monday. you, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the head coaching changes before we get out of here? Yeah, we should. Um, so Joe Judge, Patriots special teams and wide receiver coach, was just hired by the New York Giants yesterday. Um, we're saying this on Wednesday, January 8th. Yep. Today's Wednesday. Okay. Um, adding on to uh, other recent hires, Matt Rule to Carolina, which I think we touched upon. We did uh, not. We did not? No, because it happened oh, after wow. we recorded. I don't remember anything anymore. I'm just, you know, losing it. Six years, seven years, 60 million with incentives to get up to seven years, 70, right? Yeah, like he's already in the top 10 in top paid coaches. You know, I saw some chart on the uh, ESPN the other day. He's getting paid eight and a half million dollars a year. Uh, good for like 10 to 12 amongst all coaches. And everyone ahead of him has at least 11 years of head coaching experience, which I mean, good on Tepper, the owner, to just go all out and get their guy because I think Matt Rule is going to be great. Um, but damn, it's it's a big risk in, in all honesty, going, you know, grabbing a college guy who's only had a handful of years head coaching at any level and handing him the keys to your franchise. Um, I really hope they can get some good coordinators around him to do so um, because, you know, I think he needs that support staff, but I'm excited for the rule era in Carolina. What do you think's the riskier contract, the uh, Matt Rule contract or the the John Gruden contract? Oh, man. Um, at the time, like if we're talking about, you know, feelings when they signed both of these guys, I would go with uh, John Gruden just because it had been so long since he had coached in any capacity. And 10 years, $100 million is just so exorbitant. Uh, I think you have to give it to Gruden. Uh, granted, he has, you know, proved himself to still be able to be a head coach of a franchise. He hasn't, you know, set the world on fire, but he's been better than I expected him to be. So I'll give him that. I think I landed pretty much the same area as that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Joe Judge hire, uh, I think it's the riskiest one so far, um, just because. You know, special teams coordinator, you know, is not exactly the uh, normal path for general managers and owners to go with. Uh, it worked out for, you know, John Harbaugh, but it, you know, it doesn't actually ever, oh God, words are still hard today. It's not exactly, you know, the safest way to go, especially grabbing a, a Bill Belichick uh, assistant coach. Those have famously not worked out. Uh, in the past, so we'll see with the Giants, you know, especially when he hires his coordinators as well. Um, 
we talked we definitely did talk about Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Yes. Uh which just leaves Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan. Um Mike McCarthy being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Mike Nolan being his new defensive coordinator. Um <laughs> the big takeaway was he lied to Jerry Jones and he came out in his opening press conference and was like, "Yeah, I told Jerry I watched every single play from last year and I didn't do that. I just wanted the job, so I told him, which is fucking hilarious. Um, I mean, I don't hate Mike McCarthy. It was definitely his time when he was let go in Green Bay. Um, I do think that he may have a better shot uh, with success in Dallas now, just having taken some time off to rethink his systems, get a new mindset on things get a fresh start um i definitely think it's a big upgrade from jason garrett so i think dallas cowboy fans should be optimistic about this one uh, i think it's and you know all things considered a good hire yeah i know one of his other complaints i agree it was it's a i think that it's a good hire too uh one of his complaints uh, apparently i know this is certainly a complaint out of most packers fans i've ever heard talk is that the Packers have a weird obsession with homegrown talent and are not big contenders when it comes to free agency because they just like their players being drafted and not signed? It's weird. And apparently, from what I have heard, this is something that drove Mike McCarthy fucking insane because he felt he never, he never felt like he had players. He never felt like he, he they were going out and getting him the people that he wanted, the, the skills that he was looking for to fill out his system or his play, you know, whatever. And now he's on Dallas, which has uh, really nice depth in a lot of areas and a GM willing, very much so looking to win and probably going to be willing to, you know, set, spend the money to make it happen. Uh, granted, this is the this is football where there's a, a cap. You have to spend some, and you can't spend up to a certain amount. But still, willing to go make you know generally free agent acquisitions and trades to see to to do what it takes to get them over the hump. So, if if that's his case, and uh, if if that was his main point of contention as to why the Packers are not more successful at the end of his tenure, this is his chance to prove that. So. Yeah. Cherry Jones is definitely uh, not a guy to be counting those quarters. Uh, he will definitely pay out to get the best. Yes, sir. And uh, so I guess that just leaves Cleveland as uh, teams with head coaching vacancies. Real um, quick aside, did did yeah. um did, did the Giants in, who did the Giants interview? Did they only interview Rule and um this the guy they hired Joe Douglas Joe Joe Judge? Uh, they interviewed. Um, Jason Garrett, but I don't know if that was for an offensive coordinator position or if it was also for the head coach. Because I know he is interviewing or has interviewed for the offensive coordinator position. I don't know if it is also for the head coaching uh, position as well. Because I was just wondering if they had their, their Rooney Rule candidate interviewed. Ooh, I don't know. Because it didn't feel like it because that hiring was so fast. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about, you know, the Rooney rule being um, there has to be one minority coach uh, interviewed for opening positions. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing. Um, what was the, what was the head coach of um, 
Detroit's name? Um, that was fired. Yeah. Uh, fuck Jim Caldwell. Jim Cold. I'm I'm astonished he doesn't have a job. I agree. I which I wouldn't don't think he should have been fired. I liked him as a coach. Yes. Um, I think Honestly, again it, it was just one of those you know change of pace things. The way the Lions have played since he got fired just makes him mm-hmm. look so much better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And what's crazy is this was brought up on Twitter. There's only three minority head coaches in the NFL right now. Um, Which is insane. Absolutely insane. Um, Off the top of my head, I know it's Mike Tomlin. Uh, I know it's Ron Rivera. And uh, the Um, guy from the Chargers. Ron Rivera's not black, though. Yeah, Chargers, Lynn. Anthony Lynn. Yeah. There's one more. There's definitely one more. I don't think Uh, that. I think it was just minority coaches. uh, No, there's uh, Brian Flores in Miami as well he's not black is he black i thought he was brian, hispanic. yeah brian flores is black ron rivera is hispanic i knew ron rivera was i guess i just assumed from the name Flores. oh well um wow you racist piece of shit i am terrible <laughs> it feels so weird <laughs> yeah, for that to be the case weird. because of how and i know that the, the when you account for the depth players uh, football is not as black as it appears but mm-hmm. looking just at starters um it's a very black popular sport and so it's crazy to me that there's not more former players who end up becoming coaches. And I, I'm not putting that on the players' side of things. It's obviously far more systemic than that. Um, because when you look at when you look at baseball, I mean, my God, like almost all of the managers were former players. Oh yeah, so many of them. And I I understand that there's more of a history of being like you know the player manager role in baseball, but still, like so many of the head coaches in hockey. Are former players of some level, you know. Um, I don't. I can't speak to basketball because I don't watch it. But a lot of the head coaches in football are just guys, you know. It it seems so odd that there's not more. Like, how many head coaches were actually former players? I know that back in his day, um, uh, what was his name of the fucking Rams? Jeff Fisher. Fisher. He was a player. Yeah. Um, Todd Bowles, when he was the coach of the Jets, he was a, he was a player. He's not um, a head coach anymore. Man, it's it's hard to say just because Belichick was not. Adam Gase was not. Um, I just I wasn't around for when a lot of these guys did play. Like I know Mike Vrabel, Ron Rivera, um, Mike Tomlin. I th- may have made an appearance. I know he played in college. Um, man, it's hard to say. It really is because it was well before my time and i just i'm not you know well read enough into these guys careers to know specifically who did and did not play and again this isn't saying that like you have to have playing experience in order to become mm-hmm. a coach because that quite literally the opposite conversation is what's happening in baseball right now where there's people trying to hire managers who have never played baseball before, because managing a game isn't necessarily all about knowing the game as a player it's about knowing the game as a piece of game theory or strategy but there is still a lot of value in having former players be head coaches and beyond that it just seems common it just seems like a thing that would happen based on other sports and football is so weird that it's not and honestly i can't imagine what would be better like if you gave me the choice between uh john gruden who started coaching in the 90s late 80s 
for John Gruden? Uh, John Gruden, uh, I would assume the 90s, but if you told me it was the 80s, then that would make sense. Regardless, if my options were as um, Mark Davis to to hire John Gruden to a 10-year contract or give me um, a player who left the league sometime within the last 10 years who has been involved in football since then, um, or uh, as a coordinator, as something where he's familiar with the current landscape of the game, there's value in that especially in football where the changes have been as dynamic as they've been. And it's just, it's just so again, not that that's required, but it's weird that no one's doing that. Cause if that was the case, we'd see so many more black coaches and there's just not a lot. So, uh, I found a list from 2016 of, uh, coaches who did play in the NFL. Jack Del Rio played for 11 seasons. Um, really? Yeah, Todd Bowles played for eight, obviously not head coach anymore. Ron Rivera played for nine. Uh, Jeff Fisher is fifth, but he played for five. I just wanted to get him in there. Jason Garrett played for 12. He did? Um, yeah. Oh, wasn't he like a kicker? Uh, Jason Garrett was a quarterback. He was? Yeah. Uh, he might as well have been a kicker. Um, let's see. Of active guys, Doug Peterson was a quarterback for 12 seasons. Sean Payton was a quarterback for one. Um, who else? Um, Pete Carroll did not play in the NFL. Mike Tomlin did not play in the NFL, uh, but played in high school or played in college. Bruce Arians did not play in the NFL, but played in college. Yeah, that looks like it for guys who played in the NFL. That's the not a lot. These guys are just college. Obviously, there have been many coaching changes since then, so that list could be larger. There's just no quick way for me to find that right off the bat. It's also weird because a lot all those guys, their playing careers were like the 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. whereas like Alex Cora and Aaron Boone, I remember when they retired. Yeah, like... Um... I remember Aaron Boone playing the player. Like I remember watching Aaron Boone games. Right. He had a major postseason moment. I don't remember when it was off the top of my head, but didn't he help win them a World Series title? Not a World No, it was um he won them game 7 extra innings walk-off home run against the Red Sox to go to the World Series in 2001. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, um I, honestly I would love to see more guys from you know, errors when we watch them play go on to become NFL head coaches. And I, I, I know, I know coaching a football team is going to be hard work. I understand that. I can't imagine it takes you like Todd Bowles retired in the early nineties. And I just refuse to believe it takes you 20 years removed from your playing career to coach football. Well, how long did it take Mike Vrabel? He retired like in the 2010s at some point, right? Did he really? Was it that soon? Yeah, like he became an assistant coach for the Vikings almost immediately and then became the defensive coordinator very quickly. All right, so he played. His final year was in 2010 for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it took him a decade. Ohio State uh, was an Ohio State position coach from 2011 to 2013. 
was the Texans linebackers coach from 2014 to 2016, defensive coordinator in 2017, and the Titans head coach 2018 to now. Oh, 2018. Okay, so it took him eight yeah. years. Mm-hmm. With only one year at, you know, with experience as a coordinator and four in the NFL, hey, which is the trends wildly right impressive. Way. Yeah. And honestly, again, I'd love the job he's doing at Tennessee. Yeah, and I think that, that may, maybe that's going to be the best thing that comes out of the whole, um, uh, what's his fucking name in, in Los Angeles? Sean McVay coaching tree debacle is that people are really more willing to try younger coaches because if you are, then you're probably going to end up with a lot of coaches who are former players that are recently into the, uh, uh, out of, out of football in a playing capacity and looking for some other way to be engaged or, um, just in general, younger dudes, someone who played college football and isn't going to play pro some shit like that, but still like, because if that's the case, these guys have to start being, this has to start being a blocker crowd. It has to be. Especially because, especially with on uh, with the guys on the defensive side of the ball, because like safeties and cornerbacks are by and large uh, people of color, and they are. And if you are looking for um, someone to lead a defense, safeties, uh, safeties, corners, and linebackers are like those are the guys. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Oh, absolutely. Those are you usually... linebacker, free safety. Those are the guys who control the defense. Very much so. Not usually so much cornerbacks, but I just threw them in there because why not? Yeah, um, why not? Regardless, though. Because I want to see Richard Sherman coach an NFL team, which I totally think he could. Oh, he absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Those are usually, it's not just that those are the dudes who quarterback the defense. Those are usually the, the smart dudes. Like those dudes usually got brains. So, yeah, not like those stupid fucking defensive linemen. Yeah, fuck you, Aaron Donald. <laughs> oh, he can't just reach me you on the top so shelf, quickly. can you? <laughs> he's taller than you <laughs> isn't he like 5'10 he's like 6 foot no way he's 6 foot he's like 6 foot dude first off I am also 6 foot so Aaron Donald and I are at least... he's 6'1 fuck you <laughs> oh damn it I thought he was a small guy he is for a defensive tackle I guess you're right I guess you're in my mind I went to baseball small guy yeah, so like five foot six, five four. Um, what's his face from the Astros? Jose Altuve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm upset. I just forgot Jose Altuve's name, but whatever. Ah, fuck him. Well, I'm sorry for yeah. underestimating your height, Aaron Donald. Come you by, still and snap you like a twig whenever you want. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to deny that one. That was fun. Yeah, he he practices with fucking knives. What? Uh, you didn't see that video of uh, him practicing his hand movement with a guy like holding two like fake but still like knives. No, but that sounds hilarious. Oh my god, it's insane. I like I I think someone actually like from the franchise was like, "Hey, can you fucking like not post videos of that?" Like I get they're not real knives, but like, dude, relax. That that's that's what it takes to be a winner. Here, I'll I'll send you the link right now. Nice. Anything else to say on any of the things we did today? Talked about? Um, I mean, the Browns still haven't hired a head coach, so I guarantee you they're going to make a shitty choice and just pure panic. 
The Browns have hired Marvin Lewis. <laughs> oh, Actually, they've hired we're... Marvin Lewis, Hugh Jackson, and Jason Garrett to er, to act as all assistant head coaches. You want me to want me to tell you exactly what the Browns would say if they did hire Marvin Lewis? I have it. I have it. Right. What? Well, we were really we were just really interested in the things that we saw him do when when he when the the Bengals would play us. You know, they they had a, they played us well every time we played them, and we figured we want to bring some of that into our building. It doesn't sound too far off at all. That's I some know. bullshit they'd pull. Oh yeah, that's because that's also the form for like whatever every team says when they hire someone within the division, whatever. Within uh, the division with highly questionable past. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Anyway, shall we get out of here? Let's do it. All right. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. You want to hit us up via email? You can do so at juicing the numbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one and watch some football. Yeah. Bye.